Hey, this is Chris from Widow, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Focus Hey, Metalheads, as promised, we are back. And uh, I don't know, but it just didn't seem like enough time off. It almost seemed like we didn't stop. What time, what's time <laughs> off? I said I said when we split up that there was going to be stuff to be done on the show. And uh, yeah. there was, but there was a shitload on your end. There, you know, that was the, yeah, that was kind of the real, like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, so for those of you that have sometimes tried to go out and get various episodes and they're not available and you're like, what the hell's going on? Uh, just that... Uh, the hosting provider that's been with us since, uh, whatever, 2010, um, well, they kind of suck. And uh, they made a big stink about the fact that, uh, oh, my God, we actually have traffic and we're popular and it's using the service. And, uh, you know, we're really trying to get what we pay for with our unlimited bandwidth and unlimited uh, unlimited data. But um, apparently they had a big hissy fit about it, which is really nothing to do with us. It was just that they're doing their own cost-cutting measures and we don't fit into their grand plan. So uh, with that, I had to go out at the last minute and find us a new hosting provider to keep shit on the air. And uh, in doing that is always a lot of recoding and all kinds of shit. So, um, you know, I've done my best to try to get as much of stuff up onto iTunes for the last couple of years. Uh, a couple weekends ago, I got almost all the projects back online as well because um, I mean, that's what we did them, right? We did them to have people go back and refer to them and listen to them. So uh, Kerrang! is back up. Little Mountain Sound is back up, and uh, Strange Highways is back up, uh, sorta. And um, I'm missing one. What am I missing? Um, I don't remember. Shit. I'm also going to try to work up, try to get all the <laughs> Saxon ones back up online as well. But it's 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 taken a while. There's kind of a lot of challenges. But uh, at the end of all this, what we're hoping is that. Uh, We'll launch a, a brand new website. It may be a second one to what we already have going, but a brand new website that uh, potentially is a little more interactive as well. So uh, let you uh, go back and forth with us right on the site. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, I'm just uh, slowly, uh, as I time permits, coding that, putting it up and checking it out. But uh, all is moving along. But more importantly is that... Uh, we're back, as promised. Mm. So, in other words, you didn't have a break. I didn't have a break. It, okay. yeah, I was, and I really needed it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it was like it sucked fighting with the host. Uh, getting the new host was easy, uh, but then learning um, a whole bunch of new stuff and trying to cobble it together so that uh, tried to make it as seamless as possible as we could for the listeners. But um, yeah, current hosting provider, um, yeah, they suck donkey balls. <laughs> So, anyways, uh, you know, it was good to have you come back. We definitely have a lot to talk about and almost wish we were able to to get together last week, although I still don't know if I would have had time this week to get a show out and ready to go. But uh, definitely um, just a huge hit for me personally, and I know definitely for you as well, is that, uh, you know, passing of Neil Parrott, which is just uh, uh, just really screwed with me. Mm. How did you find out? Um, Twitter. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was driving home from work, and one of the guys I work with, uh, he called me, and he knows I never answer my phone yeah. after I finish, 
and I didn't. I, I looked at it and I was like, ah, oh, this is maybe, you know, he's bum calling me by accident. Yeah. And um, I didn't answer it. And 10 minutes later, I get a text because he was driving as well. Uh-huh. And I stopped at a red light and the text said, Neil Peart is dead. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. And what's even weirder is he was dead for a couple of days before they announced it. He died it. on the Tuesday. Yeah. Um, no one knew he was sick, really. Uh, you see a lot of musicians, they'll broadcast their ill. Yeah. Um, was a pretty made singer, Ronnie Atkins. Yeah. He announced, I think, towards the end of last year, he had cancer. Yeah. Other but musicians come out. Neil's always been thing. pretty private, though, too. Well, very. You know? I mean, uh, very private. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, consoled his grief by just hopping on his motorcycle and just driving with his thoughts kind of thing. So that's an intensely private person. Yeah, yeah. But you have to wonder what, like, Getty was going out promoting his big book of bass. Yeah. And he was doing media for that, and he would have been asked rush questions. Of and course, he yeah. knew what was going on, and he still had to well, well, answer the questions. Friends, you know, lifelong yeah, but, friends. So you got to... You got to do what you been, do for your brother. Must have been tough on on. I'm sure. On them. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, and the outpouring of love was amazing. Yeah. Um, you had every musician. You know, not only drummers. Yeah. Like shocked. Yeah. Well, he was. I mean, he was pretty much a game changer. And I just, you know, that was probably one of the first things. Uh, you know, getting into Rush was, you know, it was the, the drums at first were like, wow. And, um, you know, and always kind of looking at that and, and really, you know, album to album, even though being, you know, bass player and guitar player, you just, you always were into the drums. And, and you know, a lot of times too, you think, oh, I can play that. I can play that. Then you go try to play it and, and it's like, I have this all wrong. I don't know what he's doing. And, and I know that even, you know, in today's talk with, uh, with Brian Tishy that you did, you know, he kind of echoed the same thing of you, you think you know how he's doing it and you try it and it's like, no, what the hell is he doing? But, uh, I just remember that, you know, I had a, a really good drummer I was playing with and, uh, you know, very, very similar to, to what, you know, Brian was saying too, is that, you know, with, with Van Halen and stuff. And that was his thing. He was either trying to get a, an Alex thing, you know, dead nuts down, or he was doing, he was doing Neil Peart or his other third one was, uh, was, uh, Stuart Copeland mm. trying to go do all those kind of polyrhythms and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, really Neil was a huge, huge influence on him. And we used to do a, you know, screw on a lot with that. But, um, just for me, just being, you know, I was into rush from pretty much the like second album. And then I went back and bought the first one and, uh, so yeah, it was it was kind of one of those bands that I knew about before, you know, permanent waves and moving pictures and that stuff really made people start to realize, oh wow, there's this cool band called Rush, um, and so you know they've been they've been with me for a long time. I didn't get into them until Power Windows Hold Your Fire, mm. Um that's when I was yeah sixteen seventeen yeah. Uh, the first new album I got of theirs was Hold Your Fire. Mm. I'd heard. Uh, power windows, yeah, blown away by that. So my era of rushes, yeah, the least favorite of most people. My, uh-huh. it's the eighties era, yeah. Um, I love the seventies stuff as well, yeah. But you know, the soft spot for me is always going to be sure uh, signals up to roll the bones, yeah. And it's it's that's like that's the last vinyl I bought was was power windows, and you know when that that night I came home, I took all my rush vinyl out, then I realized like I'm missing rush vinyl. Because I had 
everything right up to power windows. And I'm like, where's the first album? Like, what the hell is Caressa Steel? Like, I'm missing Rush vinyl. So I had asked my daughters, like, can you like, comb the house? Because there's got to be like, and, and, and I, I noticed that, you know, a few weeks ago, I was like, hey, I'm missing this album and I'm missing that album. And, and it's like, so they, 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 must have, they must still be over there from when I moved. But uh, I, I put them on a mission of, can you find that stuff? Because now, now I, I like, there's some that I might go, maybe I'm you know, confused. But the Rush stuff, I know I had. So it's like, what the hell? It's got to be somewhere. Mm. When is the first time you saw them live? Um, geez, I can't remember. I know the probably the 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 show I remember the most um, was on the Signals tour, and that was that was really awesome. They had um, had Rory Gallagher was opening, nice, and uh, and then there was there was another one I saw them. I can't remember what tour it was, but um, Fastway was the opener, which is kind of an odd bill. But, uh, yeah, I, it's kind of, I'd have to go back to my, like, book of tickets and, like, see which shows I, that I went to. Mm. But, yeah. Well, if I wanted to see Rush live, uh, the Hold Your Fire record was not the one to start because <laughs> from Hold Your Fire up until Vapor Trails, they never played outside. I don't think they ever played outside the US. Yeah. They definitely didn't play Europe. And they, I I bought all their albums when they came out, yeah. including the live albums. And in 2004, they announced a show in Birmingham in the NEC. Mm. And there was a gang of us went. Yeah. And then in 2007, for Snakes and Arrows, yeah. um, they announced, uh, like, we had to fly over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we saw them there. And then I was fortunate enough then to... Um, I saw them twice on the Clockwork Angels tour and the first show in Manchester, New Hampshire was mm. the first show on the tour. Yeah. So we didn't even know what the set list was. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny because, you know, I'm reading through that, that Rush book there. Um, can't remember what the hell it's called now. Um, Wandering the Face of the Earth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that that was the first show of the tour, but yeah. I was like, oh crap. And I was like, and I thought about it. I was like, I think Richie went to that show. I did. Of course yeah. I did. <laughs> and I went to the one in the garden in Boston four yeah. weeks later. Yeah. And then I caught the, uh, I caught the R40 show yeah. in the garden and then they were done. Yeah. I mean, you'll like that book. It's, it's, uh, I was expecting a little bit more of the technical stuff and all that. But it is literally a log of every single show wow. that they did, um, and then in some cases, it's um, you know people that were on the tour, like other bands or whatever, would comment about a particular show or whatever. You'll really like it. I was just expecting a little bit more backstory, a little bit more technical stuff, and there is some backstory before every tour, but it's it's pretty brief, and it's more like their their entire tour history is in that book, mm. and uh, so yeah, it'll it's. I'm sure it'll bring back a lot of memories for you as well, but it's it's a pretty cool book. Just yeah, it wasn't everything I wanted, and uh, I know as far as as being a a uh, a current Rush fan, you were much more the Rush fan currently than I am. Um, although you know, like I said, it, it's a huge part of my history. Um, you know, I mean, even when Moving Pictures came out, that was that was huge huge in in the school people suddenly discovered rush but it was a twofer because at the same time that that moving pictures hit um also on the radio they were playing the crap out of battle scar by max webster which of course guest rush on there and it's got a very rush sound as well so you really had that like 
overarching kind of rush temperament that was going on. And they, I just remember they were, everyone was for, for a good year after moving pictures came out, it was rush was a huge buzz. And then of course, Americans are fickle. So they moved on to other things, but um, yeah, it was in, you know, but it was cool. People finally discovered like my band, you know, the, my favorite band, they've been yeah. my favorite band since hold your fire. Yeah. Um, I, the music just spoke to me. I, some of the albums I didn't like as much. Um, I'm not a massive fan of Tess for Echo. Um, Clockwork Angels I like a lot. I think yeah. Snakes and Arrows is really good. Yeah. Uh, Vapor Trails, I hated the mix when it came out, and they actually went back and reissued it with a different mix on it. sounds a lot better, but what what a band. Yeah. Like, And what a legacy that guy has left. Yeah. Lyricist, oh, yeah. drummer. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, I was bummed because tonight, driving home, I was like, because Sirius is doing a, a Rush channel. That's right, yeah. And I'm like, all right. And I can't, I can't get it on the radio on the truck. <laughs> I can get it. I can get it, like, on the Alexa, because I listened to it last night. But I was like, yeah, tune to 717. And they were like, it's like, no, can't be, not. And then I went to, to manually put it in, and my, my manual buttons won't even go to it. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so yeah yeah it is it's it's um definitely a massive outpouring and great talk you had this week with uh with brian tishy um and a lot of it was about about rush and well and neil parrot and that was the timing on that was it couldn't have been better yeah it was pretty amazing i had no idea he was doing that we had brian on the end of last year for yeah. Silver Tone. Yeah, one of the last episodes we did and last year. I, I got hit up with this email saying, Brian Tishy has done this Rush tribute song called Huck Finn. Um, he's available for interviews. Yeah. So I hit the PR person back up and I talked to him the next day. Yeah. It was literally that quick and we we knew we were coming back. Um, I was kind of a little bit bummed that we were on break because we probably would have addressed this a little oh, bit yeah. sooner. De- yeah. More, definitely. But I was able to get someone on who t- was a drummer. Who yeah, was, it was who perfect. Was a huge influence. Yeah. But I, what I didn't know was he actually pl- supported Rush yeah. with Vinnie Moore. So we talked a little bit about that. I yeah. was completely unaware of that. Um, Brian's a great guy, great mm-hmm. drummer. Yeah. Um, but you see all these drummers out there, how big an influence he was. And all these drummers are shit hot. Yeah. And they all look up to this guy. Yeah. It's amazing. He's a, yeah, well, he, you know, he, he, he lived and breathed, you know, drums. And he really, um, even just things that he did that a lot of drummers don't do. Now, you know, when I, when I bought my daughter her drum set and stuff, and I really was into, you know, the bevel edge of the shells and what kind of wood they were made out of and, I kind of got into a lot of the technical aspects of it and, and geeked out a bit and really helped her get a pretty kick-ass sounding set. But when you listen to, um, there's a, a special that's on, they're still playing on Netflix, I think, and it's about um, it's about uh, the drum workshop and, and their relate, and a big chunk of it is about their relationship with Neil and talking about how passionate he was about the wood that his drums get made with and the sound. And uh, they go through the whole, the kit that got made for the R40 tour and, and all that. And it's, it's uh, you really get a lot of insight up to Neil about from that. And then also in the, uh, the special, that uh, the film that Banger Films did as well, when uh, 
you know, when you talk, see him doing the lessons with the old jazz guy and talk, oh, beyond the lighted stage. Yeah. The and, and the whole idea of the, the, because, you know, you always think about, about Neil Peart and it's all, but you know, he's talking, going with that elderly guy and about the whole, like the rhythm and the space the and swing. the breathing and all that. And, and that, you know, here's this guy that could, that basically is above and beyond so many people out there, but he's like, I need to learn something new. And, um, and that reminded me a little bit of um, of like Randy Rhodes, where Randy Rhodes is like a shit hot guitar player. Yet everywhere he was going on tour, even though he was a teacher, he was going and finding teachers and taking lessons the mm-hmm. whole time. And you know, it's the same kind of thing. You know, like always, always growing and stuff. And uh, yeah, just an amazing drummer. Yeah, yeah. This one hit. I have to say, this one hit hard. Yeah. The only thing I can say, and I've said this over the years, if they come to your town, these bands, <laughs> go and see them. Yeah. Because you ne- this, these guys are all getting up there. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't um, we all? Speaking of getting up there, um, your favorite band, Aerosmith, um, and the shit <sighs> going on with Joey I'm, Kramer. I'm, I, I, you know, in reference to what you just said, right? So here we are. We're in Boston, right? I grew up Aerosmith. I live and breathe Aerosmith. Um. But <laughs> this is it, this is this is bullshit. It really is. I, I've, and 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 also going back to that thought again, though, because yeah, now like I'm, I'm riled up about this. Is you know they're getting up there. If they're coming to your town, go and see them. But but as far as I know, beyond Vegas, the only place they're going to play this year is they're going to do that 50th anniversary in show Fenway, in Fenway, in Boston. I'm not going. I'm not going. Like, how can they treat Joey Kramer this way? How? I, I know how because fucking Steven Tyler, that's how. You reckon it's Steven? Af- yeah, absolutely. He is, the, he is the thorn in Joey's ass from day one. If it wasn't, then they would have locked Steven Tyler out of rehearsals after his fucking fall from the stage, right? So he can be out of action. But this other guy who beats the shit out of himself constantly and keeps the beat for that band gets told he can't, he's not good enough to play. And I guarantee you it's from the guy that always thinks he's the better drummer. Yeah, here's what I don't get. From what Joey said, he had to audition yeah. to play in a band he's been playing in for 50 right. years. Right. Um, the other thing that blew my mind was. Joey said he's paying the replacement drummer himself to play in the band. So the drummer is getting like 10 grand, hmm. um, whatever, whatever it is, hmm. a month or, or whatever, he's yeah. put, whatever he's doing. Um, so Joey has to pay him yeah. to play. And then Joey says, I'm good enough to come back. And the band are saying, no, you're not. They wouldn't even play with him. To see yeah. what, he had to send a video of him playing to a click. Yeah, and he's he, you know, you know, a lot of times, you know, the attention. I understand the attention goes to the Toxic Twins, right? But the all the other ancillary players in that band are so freaking important, and they really informed a lot of my musical education. And Joey comes from this background of funk, R and B, and soul, and that's why. There is that swing that's in those songs. It's just like Bill Ward coming from jazz, right? So you think, oh, that's like the sloppy thing. No, it isn't. It's it's actually what makes that the Sabbath song Sabbath. 
you know, and and having that kind of moody, ethereal feel to the songs is Bill Ward and his swing. You know, Dio comes in and then it's bombast. Well, it's, it's Vinnie Apice in the bombast, right? Bill Ward doesn't bring the bombast. He brings the swing. So, but but Joey, he brings the soul, the funk, the R&B, all those things. So when you listen to songs like, you know, like Sweet Emotion and stuff, it's Joey. You know, you wouldn't have that beat of Walk This Way without Joey. And and yet, you know, I guarantee you, Steven Tyler is, is, is being the bitch about this. Because he's always had this thing, you know, and treated Joey like shit about and because, you know, he was a drummer before and all that. Well... Yeah, it, it it yeah, it really pissed me off, and and to go and and celebrate like that 50th anniversary with the band when they've done that to someone who's like pretty much was at his wits end at some point, you know, and, and before he finally had to crash and burn just so he could keep going with the band, and you just you just can't shut that person out like that. That's yeah, it I, sucks. I'd love to know why now. Yeah, because the even ba- the band the, are nearly on. They're they're all seventy, yeah. right? They don't have that long left to play. No, nope. this is what amazes me about all these old bands, yeah. that are still together. Yeah. Aerosmith are one of the few bands that have all the original members yep. still playing. Yeah, I granted some of them left for a few years or in Rock yeah. in a Hard Place. Yeah, but for the most part, it's been the same five guys. Yeah, um, Joey was injured. We all know that. Yeah. but he would he would drummer. Yeah, but he would have been cleared medically cleared to come back and play he probably worked on yeah. getting himself up to snuff yeah i think as a drummer he knows yeah. what sort of work ethic he has to put in yeah. to get up to that yeah. level and then the way they made him do it um do a video of yourself play to a click um and then when he tried to turn up at the audition yeah security w- guards there i I don't know if that's all real though that some of that just seemed yeah. but it, it, it just fake. pissed me off you know you think about um, what is it? Sticks? Yeah, where where they still have the original bass player. Now he can't do the whole show, but a lot of shows they she he's there and they bring him out for a couple songs. I mean, at least that's being respectful, right? So even if even if Joey wasn't up to, and they were then they were concerned about his ability and, and the potential to re-injure himself to do a whole show. Fine. Have enough, have enough a respectful place to have him come up and do some key songs or whatever else, and treat him like a brother, right? Pat Torpy, classic example. Exactly. Before he passed exactly. away, exactly. It he he offered to leave the band, and the other guy said, "No, you're you're um, you're in the right. band." Right. So they brought him right. out with Matt Starr. Right. He played what he could play at the time. Yep. Do a little bit of percussion, sang on the records, mm-hmm. and um, they they kept him in the band yeah. until he passed away. And it, and it like I said, it it. I had the offer to go for the pre-sale tickets for that show, and it, it and it did. It like kind of killed me inside to not he to not do to it because I've seen them. Come on, so he, many. He, he times. has to play that show. Yeah, it's in Boston. Yeah. Um, if he didn't play it, mm-hmm. do you think people would give a shit? In Boston, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and he is. I'll tell you, he is. Such an incredibly, incredibly nice guy. He really is. He's, I had him um, when the book came out and, and uh, you know, my daughter and I went down and uh, went to the book signing. And it was pretty much 
like a usual book signing. You know, they're just turning everyone through, right? And um, we came up, and she had her uh, her drum corps sweatshirt from Low High on. And as soon as he saw that, it was like he didn't give a shit. He was going to talk to her about drums, like screw everything else. Like I'm, 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 and you know, the publicist is going mental. He doesn't care. He's going to talk to my daughter about drums, and that's what he did. And it was like everybody else just had to wait. Nice. And that's and that's the kind of guy he is, mm. you know, because um, a lot of people in that situation would just be doing. I mean, you've seen it with meet and greets. Just do what the publicists say. Keep going. He didn't care. The minute he saw that drum sweatshirt, boom, he was just on fire. And, uh, and you know, and it made a huge impression on her as well to do that. Yeah. And nice. uh, and then he remembered because I want to say about a year later, um, my oldest was working in the auditorium for a while, and he was there. It was doing something with the Food Network or something. And uh, so, you know, my oldest, she's personable. And so they were chatting, and he realized, he goes, I think I've met your dad and your sister. And, and then I've got, and he's like, hey, let me sign something for you. Bring home to your dad. And, and like, come on, he meets a million people, but he, he actually cared enough about that interaction. And you can tell because like over a year later, he remembered it. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of person he is. Mm. So did you see Aerosmith with Run DMC? I did not. Oh, it's a shit show. <laughs> Dreadful. The, 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 the Aerosmith were complaining about Joey not being up to scratch. They were so bad. They were yeah. sloppy. It was just dreadful stuff. <laughs> um, I hope he comes back. I, I, he, they had that award ceremony. Was it Music, Music Cares? Cares? Yeah. And I'll hand it to Joey. He showed up for it. Yeah. Um, you know, some people might have said, fuck him. Yeah. You know, Joey, just take the fucking, yeah. you know, the high road and fuck him. Uh-huh. And uh, he, he showed up and yeah. stood next to him and, no, knowing damn well that the rest <laughs> of the guys knew what was going on and yeah. they couldn't push him out of the way for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, I certainly hope he ends up back in the band, but they're coming near the end and you have all this fucking drama. It really, it's unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, and, that's, and that is really the thing, right, is that I, I don't see them putting out another album. No, de- oh, definitely not. Um. You know, I see I see more passion right now from Joe Perry when he goes and does Hollywood Vampires. I don't think there's any more new music that's, that's going to come out from them. And I, I, honestly, I think it's like, yeah, well, you know, they're going to milk the residency, maybe make a couple of big paydays, and, and, and that's it, you know? Just go out, play the shows. They're not playing five, six shows a week anymore. Yeah. The residency, they're all staying in the same town. Yeah. Um. Just play your shows for the next couple of years, make your make your <laughs> money, and and just good luck. Yeah, we we all left uh, the same five guys that started. <laughs> we all left, and we yeah. ended the band. Just yeah. none of this shit show that's going on now. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, needless drama. It fucking pisses me off. It really, <laughs> does. It really pisses me off. Like what the hell? Let's talk about a couple of other things before we 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 end. Um, the day we're recording this. This this shocked me. Um, Adrian Vandenberg has restarted Vandenberg. Have you seen that? 
No, but didn't he kind of allude to that one time when we talked to him? Maybe we put it off to the fact that he was having a party and had a little bit too much wine. But... Um, I think he spoke about the other guys in Vandenberg trying to start Vandenberg without him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which they did, and uh, he put a stop to that. But we've had him on twice for the Vandenberg Moon Kings record. Yep. And now he's come out and announced that Vandenberg are back in the studio. And... Rudy Sarzo is on bass, and this this pisses me off because I spoke to him last week. Brian Tishy is the drummer, <laughs> right? And he said nothing to me, um, but because if I had known, I would have asked him. Maybe he, he couldn't tell me. Maybe yeah. Um, and Ronnie Romero, really, is the singer. Holy shit! Um, Shouldn't it still be called Vandenberg though? I I wonder why he's doing it because with the Moon Kings thing. It was his band anyway. Yeah. He, it was like Vandenberg. He was, he was the leader of the band, uh-huh. wrote all the songs, did the artwork, yeah. um, and the other musicians were Dutch. Yeah, but maybe that's because that was that that whole thing of the, you know, that just the musicality, you know, in the Netherlands and all that. And I mean, it's probably that that's like that little brotherhood and, and they're always jamming. And, and I'm sure, yeah, it's his band, but I'm sure there's a lot of interaction there. It's probably different, right? And the music was different than the Vandenberg music. So maybe Vandenberg with this is more that, okay, we're going to take that that sound we had back in the 80s and we'll probably revamp it a little bit. But otherwise, you look at it and go, okay, well, who does Ronnie sound like? Well, he sounds like Dio. And Rudy is like the quintessential 80s journeyman bassist, right? Um, you know, Adrian, you, you think of him, most people don't think Vandenberg, they think Whitesnake, right? And then Brian, well, Brian can play frickin' anything. So, to me, that's probably what the difference is, right? Is Moon Kings is really more that, that more earthy Adrian Vandenberg type of thing with the, with his friends, and, you know, it could be created in his apartment or the pub, and, and, and Vandenberg is more like that, um, you know, record company, you know, 80s kind of band. So I don't know. That's my take. Maybe. But, like, with the Moon Kings, it had his name on it. Sure. And two really good records, and it didn't exactly set the rock world alight. No. Um, but nothing does now. Nothing I, I new does. I understand that. But what what I'm trying to say is, like, he's gone out now again with, with, with the Vandenberg name. Yeah. What, what effect does he think that's going to have? Because you look at the band he's got, right? Ronnie's a great singer. Oh, yeah, he's Squad, incredible. He, how many bands is he in? Like, <laughs> he, and then you have Rudy and Brian Tishy. How many bands um, are they in? Just say, just say the band want to do tour dates. Yeah. How hard is, do you think it's going to be to get all those guys on, on a schedule to do shows? Yeah, I, I think they're going to just pick off key festival dates. It might be the same festivals around with all their other bands. Could be, because you know? with Brian... Brian but but I could see it, though, right? You know, Adrian's... I mean, that's what it is. Music is bread and butter, right? Yeah, he does some artwork and all that, but music is bread and butter. So he's got Moon Kings, and he really likes it, and his soul's into it. But he's like, like you said, and that's not setting the world on fire. So he's like, all right, what else do I have? Well, the only other thing I have that's got a name cachet, because I'm never going to be in Whitesnake again, is I'll start Vandenberg up again, right? At least then there's going to be people out there that when they see you know Vandenberg's Moon Kings, they may go, I don't know what that is. But then they see Vandenberg, they go, I freaking know what that is. Yeah, but how many Vandenbergs are out there in music? You know, Vandenberg's Moon Kings, you know, it's fucking Adrian Vandenberg. There's no other one. Yeah, but it's still not as marquee as you got a band that's Vandenberg. 
Yeah, but they're not they're not going to do U.S. shows. They're, oh, never. They're going to be in Europe. Oh, yeah. And then, but that's always. But Vandenberg's never really had a fan base in the U.S. No, no, I'm no, I'm not knocking him. I'm glad yeah. he's doing it. I'm, yeah, I, I, I love that the fact that Adrian even bothers to do new music. Yeah, because he didn't do it for years, and then he came back with the Moon Kings. He did an acoustic record. Yeah, and now he's back with Vandenberg. But yeah. that, that sh- it did shock me that he's re- he's re- restarting that. Yeah, he should have got Mike Tramp to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's not doing as much. Yeah, so with Brian, the other thing he's doing is uh, he's he's playing with Lynch Mob, and yeah. they're, they've announced now that they're going to go out and do a 30th anniversary tour, supposedly world tour. I, I yeah. Think, well, we'll see about that, but uh, of, and play Wicked Sensation in its entirety. Now, the band he has, yeah. this is interesting, he's got only Logan back singing. Uh, okay. Fuck me. Tony Franklin on bass. Ooh. And Brian Tishy on drums. Now, how far down the line that oh. rhythm section stay with him because of other Although, projects, uh, I, I, I don't know. I got to tell you, though, I, I love Tony Franklin, man. He is a freaking phenomenal bass player, and he's a, he's a great guy. I mean, anyone who can repeatedly give me shit back and forth over Twitter for weeks at a time, great guy. But he's the wrong bass player for Lynch Mob. He just is. And he's, it's, he's and, the wrong player for Vinnie Vincent, and that never happened. <laughs> Do you remember that with Caramine? But it's <laughs> just, you know, like I said, I mean, the guy can play anything, right? But Lynch Mob needs that bass player like Sean McNabb, like Anthony Esposito. That's the kind of bass player that, that Lynch Mob needs is just that, that solid, muscular bass player. Um, not all the other stuff that that uh, Tony brings to the game. I mean, I'm sure he'll do fine, but he, it's just not the... He's not known for the raunch. Does Tony sing? Because I know Sean did, did a lot of the background. I don't remember if, he's, if he did any, any singing with any of the other stuff. I think he did. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess he does a little bit of raunch with some of the stuff that he's done in the past, but not... I don't know. At, at, first, at first blush to me, I'm like, he's the wrong bass player for Lynch Mob. And... Yeah, I've got strong lunch mob opinions. So they've got a That's new, a show I so will freaking go see. I will as well. Now they have a new record coming out. Yeah. Lynch Mob. Um and other than George, none of the band are playing with him anymore. Joe yeah. Retta is the singer from Heaven and Earth. Mm. Fantastic singer. Yeah. And Jimmy DeAnda's I think right. is no Jimmy DeAnda's the drummer Yeah, on and that. he and he fit well in that role. Um and I think Sean plays bass mm. on it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So he's got an album coming out that they're probably not going to play anything off because none of the other guys are in the band anymore. Yeah. So he's going to have to promote that. Then he's promoting the 30th anniversary tour, Wicked Sensation. Yeah. He's also doing shows with Dokken where he yeah. supports Dokken and then comes out and does a couple of songs for the encore. Yeah. Um, he's got the Dirty Shirley record out. Yeah. Uh, which is which is pretty good, but. Forget about him playing shows on that. Yeah. And then he's got, geez, what else is he doing? I don't know. He's everything. But it's, it, it's, I mean, and he's a big player to me. He really is. He's been, you know, me and, and, and the other guitar player in the band, Mark, who used to always just be George's God, George's God, George's okay. God. If you had a choice of going to see Dokken with Lynch Mob supporting and George coming up for the encore, uh-huh. or seeing the Wicked Sensation 
doing the whole record. Wicked Sensation. Yeah? Wicked Sensation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that probably- album was... That album was so huge. Now, part of that is because, you know, I was sharing an office with another Scott who is 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 equally ravenous about it. And we were just all over that freaking album. And we went we went and saw it at, um, was it Axis? What the hell was it? It was on Lansdowne Street. Um, and that club was just packed. And, you know, they just did such a fantastic job playing that thing front to back. And it was amazing and great show. And yeah, I yeah, I would do that. I would definitely do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully only won't forget the words this time. Oh no, he'll. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna forget the words. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So yeah. let's fin- let's finish up by uh, I don't know how long we've done, but uh, let's talk about some of the package tours that have been announced. We all know about the Motley Leopard. Um, yeah, going. Poison, <laughs> which apparently is selling gangbusters. It is, yeah. Probably all on the secondary for, market by scalpers. But, fortunately, um, fortunately, the add-on for Fenway was added the day after I'm going. So Vince's already shitty voice is going to be gone by day two. I don't know what to deal with. Yeah. So <laughs> what just got announced was um, Sammy Hagar. I'm going. Uh, was it Night Ranger? Yeah, and White Snake. White Snake. Yeah, I got my tickets already. Oh, did you? They go on sale tomorrow. I got my tickets already. Okay, where are they playing? Mansfield. All right, let's talk about that for a second because seventh seventh row. Right. <laughs> I'm going. All right. Um, Sammy Hagar played in Lowell, where we where we're recording this show. Yeah. In a six thousand seater hockey arena, and a thousand people showed up. Right. Okay. But he also played in April, down at the Pavilion, with Night Ranger, somebody else. Nick is going to kill me that I don't remember who else it was because she bought the tickets. The coldest freaking show I've ever been to because okay. it's outdoor, the pavilion. It yeah, was yeah. April, right? Yeah. To the point that when they came, when they, when Night Ranger came out, the first thing Jack Blade said was, holy shit, what happened to the weather from the weekend? And the whole night, you could just see the steam coming out of their mouths. We were, I wasn't drinking beer. We were ordering hot chocolate to stay warm. It was <laughs> unbelievably, like I said, literally the coldest show I ever went to. Hagar came out, guitar player, had injured his leg, so he was sitting down the whole show. Was it Vic Johnson? Yeah. Okay. Killing him. It was killing him that he just sit down, put on a fantastic show. That place was sold out, and he killed it. I don't. I can't see that bill selling 20000 And I, he even had, um, he even had um, Gary Sharon came out and guest sung, too, as well. And he put out a kick-ass show. What did he do? A Van Halen song? Let me, let me put it this way. So I, got, so I said I got tickets, right? I got on the minute. I was already logged on to my account. I was on the minute the tickets went on sale. When I got, that, when I got on there, there was already almost 800 people ahead of me to buy tickets. So that when I, when I finally got my place in line to get tickets... Almost the whole lower bowl was already sold out. And literally, as I'm picking my seats, they are disappearing from other people grabbing it out. Yeah, but who's buying them? This is a, this is a pre-sale that you had to log into your account, then give your phone number, get a text, get a code, put the code in before you could ever get in line. Okay. So you weren't having bots doing it. I can't see that selling 20000 The lower bowl was, was already right in front of my eyes disappearing and that was that was five minutes after the pre-sale 
Okay. They go on. They go on sale to the public tomorrow. What about Alice Cooper? Is it Tesla, Lita Ford? Yeah, I was back and forth on that one. Um, I'd like to see Alice. Um, Tesla's her favorite band, but it's also a weeknight. Weeknights can be a killer. Mm. What, what, and the other one is, um, what's the one Europe's on? Foreigner? Yeah, that's um, a weeknight too. Yeah, but I'll go and see Europe. Yeah. Because I've never seen them. It's yeah. in the pavilion as well in Boston. Um, who's the other band on that? Gee, the, the thing, I can't remember all the bands. Like, there's so many of them going out now. They're yeah. announcing. You well, can't go a day without them, some band announcing. Well, tour. grab tickets. I'll go down with you. I'll, I, can, I can handle the weekday. Yeah, so but I might be able to get hooked up for that. She's like she's like dead for weekdays. I she's trying to conserve her her uh, her V time. But yeah, I'll go if you want to do that one. I'll do that one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't. Who's the fucking middle band? That's fucking the shit. I can't remember, but I saw it too, <laughs> and then I, I looked and I went, "Oh fuck, it's a weekday." Mm. Mm. But I don't care. I'll I'll do a weekend weekday and drag my ass. How much are the Hagar tickets? Enough. <laughs> uh, no, they were one thirty-seven. Okay, seventh row. Lower ball. So yeah, then I but then I added the express parking and the VIP. Oh, and all that shit. That. Yeah, they have you. They have you over a barrel. These guys, if you want to get decent seats. Um. So you're you're going to Leopard and Motley. Yeah. And you're going to Sammy Hagar. Yeah. And any other ones? The, the outdoor shows yet? You're uh, not going to Aerosmith. Not going to Aerosmith. <laughs> you will be. You will go to that. Um, we're doing Jeff Tate. You and I are going to Jeff Tate. Um, oh shit! What else? This other. Oh. Are we know. going to Symphony X? With Primal Fear. I got. I got Symphony X tickets. Darwin. That's right. I got Symphony X tickets. Forget about that one. Um, I got Symphony X because I got that the day they went on sale too. First row balcony. Um, shit! They all blend together, man. I don't remember. That's why I put him on the calendar. Like, I literally was like, I don't remember what the hell I'm going to. Yeah, so that's May. That's, yeah, the, the minute I saw that, I was like, oh, shit, I got I to gotta get tickets for that. So there's that. What else? Oh, man. There's a lot of shows. Every year there's a lot of shows. And you just hope they're on the weekend. And some of them are. You get lucky. Yeah, but I mean, it was like she was trying to get um, like Rat. Um, was it Rat? Somebody else. I have no interest in seeing Rat. And uh, Stephen. That that was done in, in um, what near Gillette, but then that sold out like really quick. Oh, that's that bar down there we were talking about. Yeah. About so it. yeah, there was a couple other things that went through there, but um, yeah. There was something else at the Palladium, too. Um, I can't think what the hell it was. Uh, keep talking. Oh, I'll try and see. I can't think of what it is, but there was something else at the Palladium. You Sons of Apollo next week. No, it wasn't that. There's something um, else at the Palladium, though, but I can't remember what it is. You have Opet next month and UFO and Damon Johnson, but that's in that's too far away. Really? I didn't even know about that one. Yeah, but that's in New Bedford. Oh, no I, no, I can't do Greasy Luck. Uh, you stripe her on the 30th of April in the Tupelo. Oh, we'll have to go to that one. Yeah, that's a Thursday. Here's, here, we, here we are telling people. Our, <laughs> our, uh, this is great radio. So Anyways. you have Alice Cooper on the 16th of June 
And then you have Richie Kotzen on the 18th. Yeah. We'll have to go to the Striper one. Yeah. Focus! But anyways, this, as you can see, we're, we're back. We're back in rare form and uh, <laughs> just rambling on. And uh, But as, as we alluded to at the beginning of the show, Richie did a fantastic talk with, uh, with Brian Tishy all about, you know, the stuff that he's been doing recently. But more importantly, the, the Rush Tribute song he put out, Huck Finn, how that all came together. And it's then good. just all song. the stuff about, about, you know, how Neil was such a huge influence on him, which is so perfect to dovetail into this week's show. So uh, right now, we're going to shut up. And we're going to run that. Brian. Hey, Richie. How are you? I'm good. Nice to talk to you again. You're not going to remember me. <laughs> so don't worry about okay, it. Then refresh Fresh my memory. Um, I spoke to you about four or five months ago about Silvertorn. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So what's happening with that band now? Is any updates on that? Yeah, the second single came out in the uh, end of November, and EP comes out end of February. So we're just uh, you know getting it all together. Mm. And what about live shows? Have you done many since I spoke to you in the last few months? Now we did a couple in Vegas and LA at the end of November, um, and we're yeah, that's what we're working on, putting stuff together now. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So so let's talk about A Farewell to Kings. Um, that came about from an, from doing a NAMM show a few years ago. Can you tell me all about the beginnings of that? Yeah, it started even before that. It was really just uh, a couple of buddies of mine. Uh, we were just sitting around and uh, said, oh, what would the best name for a Rush tribute band B, and we were just somehow we were just talking about that, and I joking jokingly said, "Hurry, get it, haha, Rush, hurry!" <laughs> and the guys, the guys laughed, and we and we said, uh, we said, you know, we should someday we should if we're all around get a gig together and do a gig, hurry, that'd be funny. So we actually did. We did. Uh, I don't know, it might have been later that year, or a year later, or something. Uh, got together and did. Uh, you know, well, strangely enough, we we played. It was Sebastian Bach was getting married at a rock club up in Northern California, and they asked me to do uh, like a movie, the a Zeppelin cover thing, and some all star kind of jam. And uh, and uh, I said, oh, we we have this Rush thing we were talking about, you know. And Sebastian loves Rush, and come up and sing a few songs with us. So that was really the, the genesis of it. We were call, we were calling ourselves Hurry. Then the following Nam show, I did do it do it called Hurry. Um, with with a bunch of guest drummers and musicians and stuff like that. Uh, that was, I don't know, 2017 maybe. And then we did it a year later, and it was the, the Rush had finished touring that year. So we, we changed it to a Farewell to Kings rather than the band name Hurry. We called the event Farewell to Kings. And uh, we we did it again uh, down at NAMM. And then the, the band, the house band for a Farewell to Kings, we played a couple clubs. And then some of the members had switched and brought us to where we are now. And after one of these club gigs last year, maybe it was even 2018, we I just said to the guys, which which currently the band, the Feral of the Kings, is myself on drums, Francesco De Cosmo on bass and vocals, and he's played uh, with Evanescence and uh, um, Ronnie Montrose and Ben Lizzy, and uh, Walter Eno on guitar, and uh, Jonathan Sindelman on keys. So we were doing a gig in Vegas, and I just said, hey, what if we just wrote our own song that sounded like Rush 
and called it Huck Finn, you know, as a tip of the hat to Tom Sawyer. Mm -hmm. We all kind of chuckled. Mm -hmm. And we actually said, why don't we try it? Why don't we just make it very rush sounding from, you know, that era of like moving pictures. And we all got together soon after that, wrote a song and recorded it at my house, mixed it and all that. And, and, uh, this was, yeah, this was like over a year ago. And we, we then said, uh, you know, that's cool, but maybe, maybe we should, you know, write some more songs and make an EP out of it and make it more, of a band, you know, instead of just a one-off kind of rush tribute thing. So everybody got too busy. And it was, so with the, with the passing of Neil Pure, shocking us all and saddening us all, you know, we were doing some texting and I just said, man, the song's sitting here. We haven't done anything with it. It's mixed. We even had, you know, we had somebody come over and do a quick little studio video. And, uh, but anyways, yeah. So we just decided to put it out. You know, we were like, man, you know, it hit us pretty hard. Just Neil's gone, you know, it's a bummer. And, and, uh, it just made sense. Let's, 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 let's just put the song out how we had it and not worry about, you know, doing any more of it as far as writing more and an EP and all that kind of stuff. It just, just put the song out as an, uh, you know, in honor of Rush and Neil and everything that, you know, they, they meant in the world of rock and roll and beyond. Yeah. Mm. Brian, what album was your introduction to Rush? Uh, moving Pictures. Okay. Okay. Because I'm, I'm 48, so I got into Rush around 86, 87, Power Windows, Hold Your Fire. And then I've, I've gone, they were my favorite band. Or, so they are my favorite band, I mean. But, um, so I, I, I don't know if you're, I think you might be a few years older than me. So we, did you get into Russia moving pictures came out? Yeah. Yeah. I may have heard on the radio, you know, spirit of radio prior to that, not, not knowing who rush was. Cause I was, I mean, I would have been in like sixth grade then. So seventh, seventh grade, I think I'm 12 years old when I heard Tom Sawyer and, and limelight on the radio, it, it blew me away. Like just absolutely blew me away. Went out and got the record the record blew me away and I was hooked and that was it, you know, soon after, you know, I just bought all the records from, you know, you know, from that point on and practiced playing drums to rush all the time. And Neil became my favorite drummer. And, you know, up to this day, it's for me, it's always been John Bonham, Neil Peart and Alex Van Halen. Those have always been my top three. And, and, uh, yeah, but man, they, it really, uh, it was a game changer. You know, when you really start getting into rush, uh, uh there was just nothing I was listening to, at that young age that sounded like them, that was progressive. The playing was amazing. The sounds were amazing, but the, the, the songwriting was also amazing. So it was still a, a rock based band, but doing stuff that you wouldn't hear anywhere else like that, you know? And yeah, so it's still, you know, heavy duty, man. They're one of my favorite all time bands for sure. Yeah. Brian, was it, was it Neil's drums that got you into Rush in the beginning or was it the songs? No, nah, it was, it was, it was, well, being a drummer, it probably, was Neil first just because the, the drums are so prominent, you know, but it, but it was also the song. It was like the, just the, the groove in Tom Sawyer, the, the, the song arrangement, how unique it is, uh, the, just all of them as players, you know, and, and, and the mix, the sound, they just sounded, sounded unique and powerful, you know, and, and in your face in, in a different kind of way. There wasn't much meandering, you know what I mean? There, there mm-hmm. was just, sticking it to you not especially moving pictures man they were just like i mean there's so many great records but you know their sound was changing a bit uh then but you know i mean it was a you know it was it was all seemed like logical progression in their songwriting and production and sounds and everything but uh 
but yeah, it was it was probably Neil first, you know, being a drummer. But man, I I absolutely love everything about all of them. Mm. Brian, what was the first song you learned to play, or you tried to play it, the Rush song? Of Rush? Yeah. Which when you sat down when you were playing drums as a kid, what's the first song where you you tried to play it, a Rush song? Oh, it would have been Tom Sawyer because I bought Moving Pictures, and that's the first song. Okay. So you're just like right out of the gate, you're you're right out of the gate, you're behind your kick going, okay. Song one, Tom Sawyer, let's go. I gotta, I have to learn how to play this, you know. And uh, that was it. I'd listen to the record, and then I'd sit behind the drums and play the record. Then I'd play, you know, then I'd listen to the record, play the record. So, but yeah, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, that was it. I just that's what I did. I had a record player right by my. Uh, drum set and with, with headphones and I just crank the record up and, and play hmm. you know non-stop like years and years yeah so how long did it take you to in your opinion nail it the first time oh I don't even think I nail it now <laughs> I <don't think> I <laughs> <ever did. laughs> you know what I mean it's like it's but back then seventh grade eighth grade I, I mean you know I, I did I know every fill and beat yeah I mean there's some it's an up-tempo right-hand pattern, you know, do, 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 like just to keep that up through the whole song is a challenge. And some of the uh, Neil's classic ride cymbal patterns are pretty, uh, are, are, you know, pretty up-tempo in there. And, uh, you know, the, the big fills in the middle. But uh, I, I knew, you know, what he was what he was doing, you know, so it wasn't like I didn't know how to... Uh, how to play some of the stuff I was hearing. I knew how to do the patterns, but it was, but playing in odd times, that wasn't something I was in seventh grade that I was like, you know, I'm sure Rush really helped me get, get that kind of stuff together. Just playing, you know, heavier ranged songs and, and, uh, you know, odd times and just all the twists and turns in a Rush song, you know, just, 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 if you love the band, you're going to, it's going to be memorized just because you love it. But to actually, you know, play along to it, you're, you're learning as you go. I mean, I'm a seventh grader, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I've got a lot to learn then. But uh, I do remember, you know, for, for any drummers out there, there's, Neil always, he, he has a classic ride symbol pattern. It's like ding, 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 ding. And it's like, it's like doubles and singles combination on his, on his ride symbol. But when I first heard it, I actually thought his hand was going ding, did the ding, ding, did the ding, ding, did the like at that at a speed of red barchetta or something. You're talking ding, dig a ding, ding, dig a dig a ding. I was like, oh my god, that's impossible. But in you know, starting playing to rush somewhere in there, I remember a little breakthrough moment where I was like, oh no, he's not doing all five strokes in one. He's breaking it up with the snare drum. So it's like did the better thing, you know, did the better thing. And I was like, oh, cool. So it's ding, did the pet thing, did the better thing. And uh, yeah, so I was like, but, but that, man, that's a classic Neil. I mean, he invented that. I mean, literally, you hear that. If you're a drummer and you hear that, that's nobody else. That's Neil. You know, that's in many Rush songs. And uh, it's just uh, one, of his, one of his many amazing staple licks or patterns, you know, mm. Neil. Uh, Brian, do you remember the first time you saw the band live? Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a, the, one of the greatest. The day before I saw them was was equally as great because I, w- I was living in New Jersey, flying down to meet a friend who had moved to Florida, and my parents were allowing me, like on spring break, to fly down there on my own, go hang out with him at his family's house. And uh, we're on the phone the night before, and he's like, "Okay, cool, you know, I'll see you tomorrow." Yeah, you know, I'm going get going to the airport the next day, flying down. 
we're just touching base. And then he goes, oh, but by the way, do you like Rush? And I go, Rush fools. I love Rush. You know, so I've been into them for the past year. He's like, oh, cool, man. My older sister got us tickets. When we pick you up at the airport, we're going to see Rush. So this is like the night before I fly down there. And he just, they just got me a ticket because we're going to a rock concert. They didn't know I liked Rush. So I literally got off the plane, got in a car with him and his sister and her friend or something. We went right to the arena and watched Rush. And this was the exit stage left tour before signals had come out. But they were, but I bought the tour book and the tour book was uh, the signals tour book. So they were getting it on. I've read about it. I think, you know, it was like the, they did a string of shows preparing for the uh, release of signals, but it was still like the exit stage left tour, but they were getting everything ready for the release of signals. So, uh, yeah, man, that was, it was an amazing show. Amazing. Uh, that, that was, that can only be high, uh, to topped about, uh, I don't know, 10 years later when I was on tour with guitar player Vinny Moore. Mm-hmm. He's an instrumental, he plays in UFO now for a bunch of years, but yeah, yeah. we were touring his solo instrumental stuff. Me, Vinny and JD, the bass player of Black Label Society. We were, we were the band. We're touring around in clubs in a van and his manager goes, Hey, this is like after a month, two months of touring. He's like, Hey, uh, you guys, uh, Eric Johnson had to cancel his two weeks, last two weeks opening up for Rush. Guess who's opening up? We're like, who? You guys. What? Yeah. You guys are going to do East Coast arenas, Billy Spectrum two nights, Madison Square Garden two nights, uh, Worcester Centrum. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? So we pull up to these arenas. I'd never been in, a, in an arena in the afternoon, which was already a trip, not to mention setting up my Tama drums that I bought. Well, that I got, you know, that I got as a gift for my parents at Christmas in ninth grade because Neil played Tama. And here I am with those drums, you know, 23 years old, first real tour I'm on and all that stuff. And, uh, opening up for rush at Madison Square Garden. So, uh, that was, <laughs> we did 10 shows with them. That was, uh, the roll the bones tour in December of 91. And, uh, we met the guys that couldn't have been nicer. They were so cool. And I'm standing on Madison Square Garden stage. Neil comes up and we had sound checked and Neil came back up on stage and he's talking and I asked him something about his face drum. I can't remember what. And then he just looks at me and goes, have you tried him yet? And I'm like, no. He goes, go ahead. So he stood in front of the drums and I just went behind, started messing around on his kit and he just sat there chuckling and, and uh, then they spun the kit full circle like he does, you know, like within, you know, I got to play all the electronic and African sounding drums behind him, you know, all that, all that stuff he had going on. It was just, it was uh, surreal, you know. Here I am playing Neil Peart's drums, and you know this is this is one of my all-time favorite drummers. I, I didn't even know how to really talk to him or relate to him. I, it was you know I was too much of a fanboy. It was too big playing playing arenas opening up for Rush. Never playing an arena before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, that was that was heavy heavy duty. And a couple times his tech would bring me underneath the stage and up right behind Neil's drums. And I'd watch his drum solo, you know, like sitting like under the stage where you can't see me, but I'm, I'm in this little, little cubby hole like area that, you know, that you climb up, uh, you know, that his tech would hang out, you know, and watch Neil from underneath, uh, behind his kid underneath. Yeah, mm. So man, that was, that was great stuff, you know? And, and I'd always hoped somewhere down the road, I'd, I'd, uh, meet him again, or just have a little chance to tell him how much he meant to me. And, Cause I didn't really tell him that it was, I was just, it was too overwhelming. You know, I was just, you're in Russia's world, man. You know what I mean? We didn't expect to be there. We're touring clubs, you know? 
so that was uh so it was a, so when we found out you know last week that he passed away man i was it, it hit me hard like shit man this is I, you know my most of my life has been going on as a drummer with him at the forefront of my mind as far as guys that i wouldn't have started rush celebration events or a tribute band type thing if i wasn't that into Russian Neil, it wasn't like, oh, somebody told me it was cool to do. It's like, no, it has to mean a lot to me. It has to be important in my life. And that, and that's, that's, like I said, John Bonham, Neil Peart, Alex Van Halen, those, those are, you know, there's so many drummers I love, but as far as sheer impact that I, that moves me and moved me since I was a kid, those are the three guys. Now, Brian, we, we use someone that, tried to see every tour that Rush did when they released the record or was there, there's probably some you missed because you might have been out with other bands at the time yeah I, yeah I didn't um, after all that I, I honestly as a as a kid being hardcore rush you know when they got into a, a little bit more of a um, the keyboard driven sound and the production seemed to kind of be dominated by keyboards I'd always enjoy hearing you know, the songs they put out from the records, but I just, you know, and I get, I, you know, I got into so many other things and styles of music, you know, so it's, for me, I didn't, I didn't um, move forward with them as like that much of a fan buying all the records and seeing all the concerts. I, I would, I still to this day go back from, you know, the first record up to, you know, let's say, you know, uh, Grace Under Pressure and Power Windows you know, right around then, those I was, I was, you know, those are the records I still go back to, like everything up to that point. And and it was really great to hear them hear some of the new stuff. You know, when they, I don't know how to say his last name, they did a record with Nick, the the producer Nick, like Rascalinix or something. Yeah, like that's that. it, Rascalinix. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah, they uh, you know, that, that was that was kickass. So they 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 kind of got maybe maybe back to the, you know, back to the basics with you know their 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 the rock sound and he, you know they were just rocking a little bit more but yeah man it's it's rush man you, you know they're 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 in a you know a place of their own you know musically in every way and it's and it's just you know I, I, three got three friends that stayed together that long and no matter where they go no matter what year it is what record they put out it's guaranteed they're playing arenas that's that's how loyal the fans are that's how important they are you know they they it's crazy, you know uh -huh. what I mean, to be that kind uh -huh. of band with that. You know, it's the record. Even though the business has changed so much, it really didn't. You know, with record sales and you know, um, you know, the internet and and you know, um, the MP3s and not buying. You know, people not buying records or CDs like these do. Really didn't matter for Rush. I mean, it didn't matter back then. You know, if they had a hit single, cool. If they didn't, whatever, man. Roll the Bones probably isn't in their top. 10 biggest records, but man, two nights at Madison Square Garden because people know <laughs> what they're getting when they go to see Rush. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're in a, a league of their own, really. You mm. know? So, so that, oh. so, you know, when Farewell to Kings, Farewell to Kings got together and wrote, you know, wrote a song, wrote Huck Finn, it started out as a, you know, it was sort of a novelty and a, and a, and a, a joke, but I figured, oh, it's a good attention getter as far as Rush fans, you know, uh, that's kind of funny. And Rush loves good humor. So if it ever got to them, they might chuckle about it. Oh, these guys, man, they do a tribute band us. And, you know, they wrote a song called Huck Finn. It's pretty funny, you know. And uh, But we tried to really make it sound good and, 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 and uh, you know, really wrote it with 
Russian mind, you know, like everything we did. I mean, I really tried to get the drums to be in, in, in the world of Neil Peart and, and the performance, you know, and as did, you know, Francesco with his bass and Walter with his guitar and uh, Jonathan with, with the keyboards. Yeah, you know, we weren't we're trying to. We wanted it to sound like that where you put it on and go, wow, man, these guys definitely love Rush. You know? mm. Now, Brian, there's definitely going to be an uptake now in Rush tribute bands. There's going to be more demand for them. They're already out there anyway. But with Neil's passing, you, you can see that the, the the sales have gone up on Spotify and the album sales, CD sales. There's definitely going to be more people now wanting to hear that music. Is that something that you guys have talked about as as a band that you might be more in demand now to go out and play that stuff? Uh, I mean, it's it always comes down to schedules. You know, that, that it's always like, you know, we're all in separate bands and we're all working in different places. So it's really, if we get together, I, you know, and we're all available, cool. Um, but, uh, you know, right now, you know, I'm, you know, I have my new band Silverthorn and we're, you know, the EP's coming out soon and we're, you know, an uphill battle with that. That's enough work trying to break a brand new band, you know? And, uh, and I'm also going to be playing with, uh, with George Lynch's band Lynch Mob, uh, throughout this year until I go back to Japan and play with this band I toured with there last year. I got to go there for a couple of months. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if we can fit it in great, you know, and, you know, it, and I think we want to just because man, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's just a bit of an odd feeling. Neil Peart's not here. You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. odd. Mm-hmm. this is a guy that my whole life has been here and been a presence and a force not just for me, but this guy, he never left the top of the, the drum community. You know, he's always brought up. He's always compared to, he's, he is always voted in the top two or three drummers of all time. You know, that he's, his weight is so heavy in the drum world. And, uh, for, for him not to be here, it just, it just, uh, it just sucks, man. You know, it just sucks. The, who cares if they're not touring? Who cares if he's not out playing? It's just, the fact that that presence is not here, you know, and it's you know, like anything when somebody iconic passes or somebody that means a lot to you passes, you know, whether, you know, it's just, we all have, you have to deal with it. it. doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter if you knew him or not. I mean, I could say I knew Neil, you know, maybe you'd remember my name, you know, but we didn't keep in touch. There's, there's other drummers out there that were closer and tighter to him and stuff like that. But, but, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, he had a, 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 been a, a huge impact on me. Mm. You know, from I mean, yeah. twelve years old. That was no. great. I mean, there's it, it, that's like there's only so many drummers that that you know blew me away upon you know upon hearing one song to get into their the world of their band and their catalog and their style and always be a fan of it. I was I've never gotten out of Neil. You know what I mean? You might listen to this or that. It's like guys like Bottom, Peart, Van Halen. You know, that's. They're my favorite because I put them on. I'm, I, it doesn't matter if I listen to something a million times. It still affects me. It still excites me. It still makes me want to play and get better, you know? Mm. Now, Brian, I just have a couple of questions for I leave you go. Um, when Neil passed, did you have a lot of drummers that you know contact you? Like, you probably have a fraternity of drummers out there. You all, like, gravitate towards each other when you're on the road or whatever. Did you, like, sense that, uh, an outpouring of, like, love for the guy from fellow drummers that they contacted you and maybe wanted to talk about him. Oh yeah. Yeah. We all did. You know, it wasn't drummers. It was musician friends that love rush and Neil. And, but yeah, man, I think it just went around the whole world of drummers. I mean, just, and it's still going now. 
you know, and it's going to continue, you know, but yeah, yeah. I had my fair share of drummers and friends write me and I started writing back and, you know, I put a couple posts up because I'm like, you know, just, you start thinking of the memories, you start thinking of his impact and, and, uh, yeah, we're all affected, man. You know, it's, you know, not just me at all. It's like, I mean, it, there's, it, it's quite possible. I mean, he's, there, there might not be a drummer alive that, you know, passes with that much effect on the world of drumming and music and, and, and also as a lyricist, you know, I mean, the whole, this whole package and just such a, a straightforward person and such a, a well-read knowledge man, you know, like, mm-hmm. guy had, you know, there's not, there's really not many people like him, you know, and, and the, 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 the private side of him, you know, just, 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 you know, having this happen after Rush finished touring and keeping it, you know, keeping it private and passing away in private. It's like, Hey, he did, he, you know, I get it, man. It's like, some things are personal. You know, mm-hmm. some things you just, you know, you don't want, you know, I know some people announce, Hey, I just found out I have cancer and he's, he's some, you know, famous star, but I'm going to beat it. And they get the support and, you know, they want to be honest with their fans. I, I, I get, I totally get it. But I see the other side where it's like, Hey man, I'm just not that kind of person. And this is not something I want people focusing on when they think about me. Yeah. Mm. I, I get it. I think what amazed a lot of people, well, first of all, first of all, most people didn't know, but he'd already been dead a few days before they even announced it. I think that the shock was incredible. Yeah, it was a couple days. Yeah, you know, I was surprised to hear that too, but that's that's how it goes with with Neil and and everybody around Neil. Just keep it it private, you know, don't don't jump to any, uh, don't. Don't make any uh, moves without really thinking it through, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so Brian, are you playing on the new Lynch Mob record? Uh, no, no. The one that's they already did it uh, last year. It was already recorded last year. Um, I don't know much about it. I think it's all done. Maybe I, maybe there's vocals that need to be put on it. Um, but no, I wasn't a part of it. This was this was more like a, I don't know. A few weeks ago, Jimmy Deanda was playing drums with George with, with Lynch mob and the bullet boys, which is Jimmy's band from back in the day, they're doing a reunion with mm-hmm. the members and they announced that. And, uh, soon, like that same day I, I saw Jimmy, you know, I think they announced it on the Eddie trunk show. And, uh, and I was there and it was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm doing this this year. And, you know, I mean, George has got a bunch of dates and, and then the next day, next day, George called me and we talked and I was like, you know, yeah, cool, man. So it just, it just kind of worked out, you know, so that record was already, uh, uh, you know, those, that music's already tracked. Okay. Final question, Brian, when, when I had you on, uh, I think it was towards the end of last year, I asked you a little bit about pride and glory. Um, and then at the end of the year, they released a deluxe edition of the record. Were you even aware that was coming out? No, 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 I, I didn't know. I, I'm, no, maybe maybe people think I um, would know or have something to do with it, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just found out like everybody else, you know. Okay, they, they released it, but you know, it's uh, Zach's music. He owns the masters. You know what I mean? It's it's his thing, and um, but you know, at the same time, yeah, I guess when it's something like what. 20, 25 years. I don't know. I guess you think maybe you would get some little heads up from somebody somewhere, you know, <laughs> but, uh, because, because I mean, you know, as much as it was Zach's record deal and it was all about Zach, I mean, that's the truth. You know, you can't take anything away from that. It was his, 
his music, his lyrics, his melodies. You know, I just got in there and played drums and did what a drummer's supposed to do. Um, but you know, the cool thing about that record, it was a, it was a, a sound created by the three of us. You know, you, 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 we needed the three of us to sound that way. It was a, you know, the, the focus was to sound unique and sound different than anybody else and play how we play. And that's what Zach encouraged. And that's what we did. And so without Lamenzo on bass, you wouldn't have that bass sound. You wouldn't have those licks. You wouldn't have that attitude. You just wouldn't because he plays how he plays. And he was really encouraged to be himself in that band as a trio. And the same with me. So while, while Zach could have uh, had another bass player, another drummer and you know, whatever, it, it would have been a different sound. So, so, uh, you know, so yeah, yeah, at least it's still at least it's still out there, and uh, you know, people that like it like it, and there you go, you get some. I guess there's some bonus stuff on there. It's all cool. And you got to play in Donington in front of seventy odd thousand people. Oh yeah, man, that was that was awesome. First time in Europe, you know, opening up Donington was, was uh, heavy duty. It was a, it was a great time. Hmm. So Brian, give out all the social media sites where uh, people can get in touch with you. As a as a farewell, the King's got a Facebook page and social media yet. Yeah, yeah, we have we just have a Facebook page from the shows we did a couple of years ago and uh, from the Nam event. You know, we started one, but uh, we haven't been that active on it. You know, I posted something recently, but you know, the the, the song, the Huskin song, and something about Neil. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 update it and stuff, and and then maybe we'll throw in a. Uh, Twitter and Instagram page, but for now, yeah, anything, you know, I'm doing, um, you know, just search my name, Brian Tishy Drums on Instagram, Brian Tishy on Twitter, Brian Tishy Facebook, BrianTishy.com. Want to, uh, you know, send me a whatever email. There's a link there for, uh, on the website. And, you know, and I always, you know, there's a thing on the website I offer, you know, for recording, you know, if you want to hire me to record or teach, blah, 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 all that stuff's there. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm wherever everybody else is. <laughs> mm. Well, Brian, if you get up to Boston way with Lynch Mob this year, hopefully I can get back and say hello to you. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure they're adding dates now as it goes. So uh, hopefully Lynch Mob's there. Hopefully Silverthorn's out there. And one way or another, let me know. Then yeah, come on out, and we'll hang out. Yeah. All right, Brian, sounds Ooh. good. Well, thanks for talking to me, and have a good rest of the day. All right, thank you. All right, take care of yourself. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. So there you go. Back as promised. Um, I said it was kind of like trying to drag my ass out of bed to, to get this one together. <laughs> I was like, I just need some freaking time because I don't know. I've been going literally nonstop since November. It's been insane. But uh, anyways, it's really important bringing the bringing the metal out to you guys is uh, kind of the kind of our life's work. So here we are. We're back again, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and actually got a lot of discussion in this week as well, which is which is pretty cool. We will uh, see whether or not we can try to keep some more of this up for the rest of the year. But I will say that that uh, Richie also had no rest for the wicked there either. He was out and has got a whole bunch of great interviews in the can for some really cool stuff coming up. A little bit different. Yeah. Not, yeah. not the usual, I'm a musician. Definitely not. My new album. Some cool stuff that's out there. I, I'm actually kind of fran- frankly psyched to hear some of it as I'm editing it up as well. So good stuff that's coming up. February, March, and we'll just keep right on going uh, as long as uh, they would allow us to keep on going. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, it's great to be back, um, and uh, we'll be plowing ahead till we hit our next break, which probably won't be till July, or I like stroke out and drop dead. Either way, what year? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, it's good. It's good to be back. It is. Uh, uh, some some sad things to be back about, but still, uh, we're still forging on. It's uh, it's it's amazing. Never thought we I'd be you know approaching 500 episodes with this show. He, he's gonna go to Aerosmith. I'm telling you. I'm not going. <laughs> Uh, one of the guys that was work that works for me was asking me today. He's like, "Did you hear about?" And before he could even finish, I went, "Aerosmith at Fenway." Yes, I could have got pre-sale tickets a couple of days ago. He's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not going." Just say so you're going to see Extreme, and then stay for Aerosmith. Oh, I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> I could, I could probably get hooked up for that. Well, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll tell you about that later. Okay. But anyways, yeah. All right. So that will do it for uh, another week of Focus on Metal. So any last words before we get the hell out of here? No, i got to go home now. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, anyways, that will do it. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. And uh, until we talk to you again next week, remember. Focus on Metal. Everything else is insignificant. Go home.